Would you like to become a fascinating personality, break free from plateaus, and gain power over your mental resources and your full potential? You came to the right place. Welcome to a magical journey to yourself. This show is made in Germany. If you like the show, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or PureMindMagic.club. Welcome to Season 1, Shaping Your Reality. And here is your host, international magician, speaker, and book author, Victoria Mavis. gentlemen welcome to interview friday at pure mind magic and before we dive into today's interview with mark hapwood who's an author from london funnily this episode is also presented to you and sponsored by someone from london he's my business mentor ron g holland and he has created an amazing course that will explain to you exactly how your mind works and how you can use mind power to bring about what you really want and focus on the things that matter most and that will of course influence every area of your life. Maybe it is about writing your own book like Mark Hapwood did and we had an amazing talk around his book that is pretty big with more than 400 pages the happiness rules and he really dives deep into psychology and also tells you exactly how everything is working and what you can do to be more happy in your life and I'm quite sure that happiness is a decision made by you but you will find out a lot in this episode because Mark has a ton of knowledge around psychology and he is also a great author so I just can recommend buying his book Happiness Rules and I will put all the links for you to get it directly after this episode in the show notes just watch out so if you haven't already please subscribe to the pure mind magic podcast and now just let's get started hi mark welcome to the show hey victoria hi thank you very much for having me you're welcome mark where have you tuned in today from well, I'm sitting here in my study, and my study is in London, which is where, I ba where I'm based. I'm, I've been, uh, I, I came to London about 25 years ago, and I've been living here ever since, and I love it. Very nice. I love London, too, because I think it's really a magical city. When I'm there, I always have the feeling that the city is like New York. It never sleeps. And there are so many people from all around the world. It's very international. And when you just arrive at the airport, it's kind of you are part of the city. So it's hard to describe, but it's like it has a really high vibration. What would you say living there for so long? 
Oh, I, I love it that you say that. I mean, first of all, the city that never sleeps is probably New York. London does go to bed a little bit and sleeps a little bit. But we've got the 24-hour tube now. Tube is our word for the London underground. And so we are sort of, you know, uh, getting through the night a little bit more energetically than we used to. Um, in terms of the city welcoming you, I, that really connected with, with me when you said it. Because when I first came to London, I think I was 16 years old, and it was on holiday and immediately the city spoke to me it sort of welcomed me as a friend i know this sounds almost corny but it's absolutely true and it wasn't something which was in any way an overwhelming feeling it was something that lived in subtle gestures in subtle um, elements such as red buses crossing a bridge big monuments just sitting there, not taking themselves very seriously, Buckingham Palace, um, Trafalgar Square, Tower Bridge, and people just walking around, living in obvious harmony with each other, melting pot of nationalities. To me, London is the open society, and that is what I love about it. Fantastic words around London. And I think that there are many great authors of all time that were and are still based in London. So would you say that for you as an author, London has really kind of a special inspiration to write books? Um, I, I don't know, P probably, but perhaps in an indirect way sense. The book which I wrote is about trying to understand how, to, how you can find the authentic life. And I think I couldn't have written the book had I not, at least to some large extent, found the authentic life for myself. That in turn, I believe, for me, would not have been possible outside of London. Because I am not a country dweller. I naturally thrive in cities, but also the cities have to have a certain size. Uh, this is going to sound quite silly, but I have to say that eight million people is about the right size for me. And there is a reason for that, because if it gets to this sort of level of, of size, there is a certain anonymity But I think this anonymity protects you, or at least I should say it protects me. It affords me to join the groups of people I want to join, but it doesn't force any particular group of people on me. So I'm, I'm anonymous, I'm free in, in the urban flux, if, if that makes sense to you. <laughs> and, 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 and to that extent, yes, I believe London has had a great inspiration on me, or to put it more precisely, it has created a framework in which I was able to find, to a large extent, the authentic life. Mm, I like how you put that, Mark. So authentic life, that is really a great term. And I always love to give the listeners some kind of practical advice or how <laughs> to start with. So what would you say is a good way to find or create an authentic life? 
<laughs> yes. Oh dear. This is of course a very wide question. I shall now talk for ten hours. And <laughs> <laughs> no. Let let me um, let me try and give you a reasonably concise answer. Now the the problem with the answer is not only that it is of course difficult to get to an authentic life, or even that the authentic life will mean something else for every individual. The problem, first of all, is to define what generally an authentic life actually means. Because so far, it is just a word. It's an adjective and a noun. It's stuck together, and it's quite a theoretical term in itself. So allow me perhaps first to give you an impression of what I think the authentic life means or might mean. Yes. So... The, the cornerstone of my life philosophy, and therefore this is also what the book is based on, is self-knowledge. And we can get back to that in more detail if you are interested later in the interview. What I mean by this is that you know actively and consciously what the components of your personality are. Why do I have certain likes? Why do I have certain dislikes? What am I drawn towards? Why am I religious? Why am I not? Why am I not worried about my weight? These kind of things. Um, now, as I discover what the components of my personality are, I also discover what my strengths and what my weaknesses are. Now, the next step, I believe, would then be to try and shape a life build a zone in which your strengths matter, but not your weaknesses. Because if you think about this just theoretically for a moment, if you were able to build such a zone, you could be yourself. You wouldn't need to play a role. You wouldn't, nobody would ask you to perform things which you're not particularly good at. People would ask you to perform things which play to your strength. You would be loved for who you are. You wouldn't have to play a role. You can be yourself. That, to me, is the authentic life. And the question, therefore, is, well, this is your question, of course, which I have so far failed to answer. I'm aware of this. How do we build such an authentic life? How do we get to that? And I believe it is not an easy process. It is not a quick process. The answers will not come easily to you, and they will not present themselves to us on a silver platter. The first step on the journey is to know who you are, to understand yourself. And in the book, I've thought about how this rather elusive-sounding goal can be achieved, can be approached by using a simple and pragmatic method. Hmm. Okay, I see. So it's really complicated, kind of, but for me, it sounds like it's about discovering the real you. Yes, it is. I mean, you, you're right. It, is, it sounds complicated. Perhaps complicated is a word which I, I, I wouldn't like to use in this context because it might put people off. It's not so much complicated, it's, it's more involved. You need to allow yourself to introspect. You need to allow yourself to pause your life and think about yourself. That may sound too meditative for many. I'm not advocating that you necessarily 
reserve an hour every day to meditate. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. For some people, that might very well work. But in my case, what I'm saying is what you should do, if you can, is train yourself to live consciously. And that only means that certain things happen to you every day. Normally, we would not stop to think about these things. Um, they would just pass us by. But in doing so, we allow lots of life lessons just to pass by untaken. For example, I'm at the supermarket. I'm at the checkout. The person who works at the checkout annoys me. I get worked up. We have an argument. Then I calm down and I go home. By the time I'm home, the incident is forgotten. Now, that may not be the best way of going about it. Maybe what I should do from time to time is to think about the incident. Think about, gosh, I got worked up there over a completely trivial issue. Why was that? Why did I get worked up about it? Now, the answer might be that something is currently happening in your life which works you up, which makes you upset, and that's the reason, and that's fine. But the answer might also be something deeper. The answer might, for example, be that the person at the checkout talked to you in a certain way. Let us assume they talked to you in a way which you thought was condescending. Then the next question would be, well, why did I think it was condescending? Certainly that's just my interpretation. And then you perhaps get to the next step on the way. You ask, uh, you, maybe it was a certain look, maybe it was the way in which she did not take yourself seriously. Then you would get to a deeper layer and you would think, ah, well, apparently I don't like it when people don't take me seriously. And that would be a little nugget of insight into your personality. And I call this method um, experience mining. So you have certain experiences, you think about them, you try to analyze them and dig deeper, peel away the layers of the experience, and you get to a nugget of insight into your personality. Hmm. That's a good picture about that and really discovering yourself. So, Mark, I have a special question. Your book, <laughs> The Happiness Rules, I saw the cover and you have printed white letters on it. And then there are these blue arrows going in all kinds of different directions. What is the story behind the arrows and the cover? Yeah. Yes, uh, in, indeed. Thank, thanks for pointing this out. I mean, the happiness rules, the title of my book, that's a pun in itself, of course. Uh, happiness rules as in it does rule. I mean, if you get to be happy, that in certainly is a stage which we would all like to achieve. And when we do achieve it, it is um, a stage which is making us satisfied. So it rules in that particular case. Now, also, I used it to refer to my chapters, and I've got 10 chapters in the book, uh, which I call rules. Now, this is more tongue-in-cheek. I do not believe there are actual rules which you have to follow. Quite the opposite. It is a book which is more meant as a sounding board to help the reader engage with, with, the, with the issues and help 
find their own way, analyze their own personality and their own life. So that's the title. The little arrows, which of course our listeners can't can't see now, but if you go on on Amazon.com or Amazon.co.uk, any of the web shops on Amazon, you can see a picture of the of the book. And um, Victoria refers to nine pictograms, which are arrows in various shapes or form. Now, these arrows are sort of designed to draw the reader in. They look like a weird cryptographic language, like a cuneiform, perhaps even. And as you read the book, you will discover that each of the symbols epitomizes, encapsulates the essence of one of the chapters. So don't want to give too much away. It would perhaps be fun for a reader to find this out himself. But as we've already let the cat out of the bag, as far as knowledge and self-knowledge, knowing yourself is concerned, the first arrow, which again our listeners can't see, the first arrow is a bent arrow which turns in on itself. And this arrow would encapsulate the idea of know yourself. And the other arrows and pictograms each embody the essence of the chapters. Mm, okay, so you made us kind of curious to know more about this uh, arrows. And I saw on your website, you got the nine rules all with their titles. And I just thought I'd pick one of them to ask you about yes. that. So it's rule number eight with the title Shape Your World. I like that because this season one of my podcast is called Shaping Your Reality. So yes. Mark, can you tell us about how to shape our world? Well, I don't, I don't know whether I can, but I can certainly tell you what I thought about uh, when, I, when I wrote the chapter. When, as you picked out, this is rule number eight. So as you go through the book, the book is designed to allow you to develop perhaps a deeper and deeper understanding of who you are and a deeper and deeper understanding of what the methods and elements, the methods to discover an authentic life and the elements of an authentic life are. As you get to rule eight, shape your world, you you sort of in a position to bring it all together. So to some extent, Shape Your World is a, is a toolkit. It's designed to be a, as a toolkit which you use in order to build that authentic life, that zone which I described earlier, this zone in which your strength matter but not your weaknesses and in which, therefore, you can be yourself. Well, well that's the idea. Um, so the chapter is designed to be a toolkit And as it is, each of the subsections in it talk about one particular tool which you could use or which I think you should use in order to build your world. Now, I'm not going to go into all of them because that's going to be probably outside the scope of our interview, but I'm just going to focus on a few, if I may. Mm-hmm. There is one in the middle which I think might resonate with all of us, and it's called Be Nice. 
Now, we haven't heard this for the first time. I mean, this is not necessarily an, an original idea, but people often use it in terms of, you know, be nice to others. Uh, and that in itself is an important point of leading a good life. And I would agree with this. It's true. But in my case, the impact or the target is slightly different. The target is not making other people happy. The target is making yourself happy. Now, before everybody shouts me down, this is not meant to be selfish in any way. Everybody wins in this method. You're making other people happy, but the target is to make yourself happy. And the way this works is, um, quite simply, in everyday, little everyday interactions. I'll give you an example. Every morning when I go to work, I get a coffee before I start my day. And 10, 15 years ago, I wasn't very self-confident as a person. I had to prove myself in the world, as we all do, and I was groping around for how, how to find my way. Uh, I, 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 was, I was shy, so I would go into the coffee shop, I would ask for my coffee, pay for it, and leave. Now I'm more confident in myself, and what I now do is I enter the coffee shop, I do a little banter with the barista who is there, uh, just little things. I'll ask her or him, uh, how, how are you? How's it going? Horrible weather today. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm tired. And normally, you get something back. Normally, you get back, oh, God, mate, I'm tired as well. This is all terrible weather. It's crap. <laughs> things <laughs> like that. And immediately you have a very good conversation going. This is not a deep conversation. It doesn't have to be. It is just a connection with the other person. Yeah. Now, now you have the connection. You pay for your coffee. You share a smile. You make eye contact. That's very important. Uh, and off you go. And you're that little bit happier. It's not dramatic, but you made yourself a little bit happier. You have received a little bit of an uplift before you start your day. And the other person has also received a little bit of an, of an uplift from a customer before they continue their day. That's a really practical tip, I think, Mark. And it's actually really interesting because what I've just described is just a little incident. It takes a few seconds. But now imagine you do this all day long. Every interaction you have, you do this sort of thing. So the next interaction I would have, for example, is when, when it comes to lunchtime. And I go to my lunch place and I do the same thing. I banter with the guys behind the counter. I talk about the food. I'm saying, oh, that food doesn't look very good. Are you sure you're selling this? And we're laughing. You know, we're laughing at the joke. And, and, and we're having a good time. Again, This is not a dramatic thing in itself. But again, you manage to uplift yourself just that little bit and also the other people around you. Now, if you do this consistently, pretty much every day, what I have found in myself is that it actually has, has resulted in a fundamentally lighter feeling about life. Now, again, I don't want to misrepresent this. If you have serious issues in your life, 
this method will of course not help you. If you are grumpy or you have a bad start or you have to go to the dentist and you're afraid of it, of course, this method will not help you. But in normal circumstances, if you do that, then I can guarantee over time you will be moderately happier. Hmm. Yeah. Now, can I just also say, this is just one little tool. So this is the tool, be nice. I've got eight other tools in that particular chapter. I'm not going to go through all of them, but just to mention one other one, which I call zero tolerance. Now, zero tolerance is an interesting tool because it also illustrates how difficult these things can get. What I mean by zero tolerance is that you really shouldn't do things that you do not like doing. Now, as it stands, that sounds like a very glib statement. I can see people saying to me, you know, that's easy to say. If I don't do this, then I might uh, make other people unhappy and, and, and this is not something I can do. Now, let's get to that in a second. But What I mean by this is little things, not much is riding on these things um, you just shouldn't do. Like, for example, peer group pressure. Your friends, you're in a, you're in a group of friends, you're in the pub, uh, you're, you're, you're drinking with your friends, you're all having fun, but you have a meeting which starts very early on the, the next day. Uh, all your friends are going, oh, come on, mate. I mean, you know, just uh, just stay here, have another, have another beer. But you know, you don't really want to. So now you can give in and stay beyond the time you really want to invest, but you shouldn't. What you should then just simply do is zero tolerance, no, guys, sorry, I have this work meeting, I'm going to go, and then you should go. Now, this gets complicated when the happiness of other people is riding on something which you do. Your girlfriend asks you to go with her to a party. You hate everybody at this party. You really do not want to be there. But you then have to sort of ask yourself, this is where you need to weigh the scales. What is going to make me happier? Not going to the party, not exposing myself to these dreadful people, Or going with her, making small talk, be nice and charming, and allow your girlfriend or your partner to be happy because of your presence. That feeds back on you, and it will make you happier in the process. So just to summarize this method, you can see sometimes these things get complicated. I believe you should not do things to please others. That is a recipe for unhappiness. But you also need to understand that you are living in a interaction with others and other people's happiness will feed back on you. It is behoven on you to make a choice and to analyze the situation appropriately and understand in which situations you need to compromise and in which situations you can uh, exercise the maximum of no, of no tolerance. If you do this well, again, over time, you will be more in control 
of your everyday interactions in your life. And as you are becoming more confident through this, as you as you're getting on top of life through the application of this method, you're developing an overall sense of confidence, of tranquility, and commensurately of happiness. All right. That was a lot of in input, Mark, around the topic. <laughs> But I think a good advice really to connect with other people and smile and kind of make their day and you always get something back of course so i think there's a lot more in your book i saw it's more than 400 pages so a lot about happiness and uh, what is the best way for the listeners to get your book well the, the, the easiest way is just to go on amazon it's on all the web shops on amazon amazon in the uk amazon in the us also amazon germany france italy even in india you can get it and you can get it as a print book which is a soft cover or you can get it as a kindle version and you can also go on ibooks and kobo and get it uh, as an ebook wow so you're well prepared prepared to target the world with happiness i guess <laughs> <laughs> well, just as a i mean yes i was talking a lot there i hope i didn't overload people the road to happiness and the road to the authentic life is i think a an involved one you need to think about it You need to introspect a little bit, not all the time, but from time to time. And over time, you will find that you're getting on top of the issues, you're becoming more confident, and you're developing um, a life which is playing to your strength, not to your weaknesses. And once you've got there most of the way, you're developing the authentic life. Mm, yeah, this is really the key element here for the magic about the authentic life and to gain more self-knowledge. So I would recommend reading your book about that and get familiar with all the nine rules you apply. You also do have a happiness test on your website. So never saw that before, but sounds really interesting. So Mark, <laughs> what would be the best way for the listeners to get in contact with you? Well, you can get in contact with me through my website, which is at www.markhebwood.com. The website is also printed in the book, and I think you kindly um, include it on your podcast page. Mm -hmm. And you can get in touch with me through there. And that's probably the best way to communicate Um And of course, I would be delighted if people found my book interesting and valuable. And if they did, and even if they didn't, I would love for people to get in touch with me and we can have a debate, discussion, fight and a laugh. Very nice. So a lot of opportunities out there. And when I got it right from our pre-interview conversation, Mark, you are also happy to do speeches about your book. Oh, absolutely. I think everybody will have known by now that I like the sound of my voice greatly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but joking aside, yes, of course, absolutely. I mean, in the end, I wrote the book because I think that in my own life, I have to an extent achieved the authentic life. 
And I've thought about how I did this. So in the end, I wrote the book in order to provide a sounding board for people who wish to do the same. It is hopefully an entirely non-judgmental book. Uh, the methods which I talk about may work for some. They may not work for others. But uh, I'm very interested and happy to talk about the issues to smaller groups or larger groups wherever any demand or interest might arise. Very nice. So I have one final question for you, Mark. And uh, we, before we started the interview, you said that mindset is crucially important. Why is that? Yes, the most difficult question is always the last one. Yes, that is true. <laughs> Thank you, Victoria. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> okay. Um, mindset is important because I believe that you need the right focus and the right attitude when looking and interpreting things. Um, it is my belief, which of course by now is obvious to everybody, that you need to know yourself as much as you can possibly do. Now it follows from that that I also believe that it is the person, him or herself, who defines their attitude towards the outside world. If we are finding ourselves in any sort of predicament, I don't know, we lost our job, we can't find a partner, we can't find a job, th this sort of thing, then it is, I think, a human thing, entirely human. I do this. I have done this all the time. It is entirely human to blame circumstances. I lost my job because my boss doesn't like me. I can't find a partner because they don't like whatever, intelligent people, practical people, sporty people, whatever. Um, this, I think, is understandable, but fundamentally the wrong attitude. What you should do is you should develop a mindset that everything that happens to you is eventually or original, originally caused by you. What I say in my book, this is uh, rule number three, uh, quite provocatively, I call this everything is your fault. And I get a lot of pushback for that, but it's important to understand that this is just basically mindset. So the mindset would be, okay, something happened to me, I lost my job, I want to blame my boss, but I won't. I will instead look for the for the roots of the responsibility in myself. I will blame myself. But the important thing here to understand is that you don't really um, you don't really blame yourself as such. It is the mindset to seek responsibility for your own actions in yourself. What that will accomplish then is that you put yourself into the driving seat. Now you are the author of your um, of your destiny, so to speak, if that's not too big a word. But you're no longer the victim. Once you blame circumstances or something which happens to you, you are a victim and you cannot act. 
once you blame yourself as the author of your predicament, at least potentially, that you can act and you can change your life. And I've got lots of anecdotes about this in the book, how this happened to me and and um, how I was able to change my life for the better by adopting this particular mindset. Hmm. I like that. So it's always better to be active than to be reactive and really to make causes instead of dealing with effects from other people. So Mark, you definitely mastered the last and most complicated question on the mindset thing. <laughs> so I am very happy that you were a guest on my show tonight. I think you gave a lot of inspiration and insights on happiness and the authentic life as well as the self-knowledge for the listeners. So we got all your contact details here and the book. And as promised, I'm going to put them in the show notes as well. So for the final thought, do you have any quote to share you really like? Oh, I like a lot of quotes. Yes. Um, but I would pick out one. And here it is. You cannot teach a man anything. You can only help him find it within himself. That's the quote, and apparently it was said by Galileo Galilei. And I liked it so much that I printed it in my book, which is also the reason that I was able to read it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it a lot because basically that encapsulates what, I, what I'm thinking. In the end, we all need to get there ourselves. We all need help. We all need sounding boards. I would be delighted if my book was able to make a small contribution to some in the, on the journey. But in the end, we can only, we can only uh, get there ourselves. Very nice final words. So thanks again, Mark, for being on the show. And I would say let's stay in contact. Thank you very much, Victoria, for having me. And I would be delighted if you could do that. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed today's interview diving deep into psychology and how everything comes together. And you remember this episode was sponsored by Ron Chi Holland, who created this amazing course around mind power. He has more than 30 years of working with mind power and this is how he created more than seven motorcycle stores in London at the time back then. And he also knows the book of Napoleon Hill by heart. Really amazing guy, uh, strong charisma. And because we are all about London at the moment, I will bring him on the show next Friday. So you can listen to the expert himself also from London. He's a best-selling author and wrote several books over the years, also created many audio courses and now his special video course. So tune in again next Friday to listen to this amazing interview with another guest from London. So until next time, create some magic. Magic.